welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. One of the most well-known verses in the Bible, and you may know it yourself, is John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A beautiful verse. The gospel in a nutshell. Well, today's message is based on the verse following John chapter 3 and verse 16, and here's how it reads. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. An equally beautiful verse, don't you think? But does this mean that we are not condemned? After all, it says that Christ didn't come to condemn us. And that is the emphasis of our message today with evangelist Mr. Dan Shutt. Mr. Shutt explains how the world is already lying under total condemnation by God because of our sin. And that includes you and me. So the news at this point doesn't look too good, does it? We all have sinned, both willfully and ignorantly, against a holy God, and God holds us accountable for our sin. Now, do you agree with this? If so, there's a Savior waiting for you, and it says so in this verse. Let's listen as Mr. Shun explains. John's Gospel, chapter 3, and I'm going to read verse 17. For God sent not his Son into the world, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let me just read that again. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but God sent his Son into the world that the world through him might be saved. Well, John 3 and 17 is not one of the better known verses of John's Gospel, chapter 3, even for those who know it. But I want to preach the Gospel from it a little bit tonight, because I really love the truth of this verse. Listen to it again. John 3 and 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I just have three simple things I want to talk about in this verse for the next 20 minutes or so. I want to tell you about a world that is condemned. You say to me, Mr. Shutt, you have something wrong with your bifocals. This verse says God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. I know. My job is to explain to you that this verse is talking about a world that is condemned. I want to tell you secondly about a world that has been visited. And I tell you, I am excited to preach about this because I have come tonight to tell you about a world that has been visited by the Son of God. And last of all, I think you know where I'm headed with this. I want to tell you about a world that can be saved. I'm glad I learned its truth in my own heart 50 years ago, this year. Amazing thing. Don't even feel that old. But I discovered that not only can this world be saved, but individuals, just a little boy, 
like me. Nobody special, just growing up on a little dairy farm where we milked Holstein cows. And I discovered that a little boy could be saved and know it through the Lord Jesus. Now, I said that I wanted to talk, first of all, about a world that is condemned, and yet our text seems to state the opposite, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. How can we sort of reconcile what the Bible evidently says and what the preacher wants to preach? We begin by asking ourselves the question, why did God not send his Son into the world to condemn the world? I think I can explain that. We live in a world where people are trying to evade spiritual realities. They call sin by other names. People call God by other names. Because they want to remake him into their image. A God that they can negotiate with. A God that they can manipulate. A God that is somehow comfortable to them. I want to tell you something. Calling sin by another name does not change sin in all its heinous darkness and wickedness before God. And trying to change God into some great grandfatherly figure with his pocket full of candies, trying to make his children or his grandchildren happy, does not change the fact that the God of heaven is a holy God, a God who will in the end bring every sin into judgment. Why did God not send his son into the world? It's very interesting. I love the way the Bible explains itself. Did you notice what the next verse says? I'll read it for you. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. See, I didn't make up the first point. I just read a little further in the chapter. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world for this simple fact. This is a world that is condemned by its own sin. It's not simply a world that is condemned by its sin. It's the individuals in this world. And God sees your sin tonight. God sees you and knows you through and through. And you and I tonight, if our sins have never been forgiven, are facing the condemnation and the wrath of a holy God. You know, there's another reason why God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. I want to mention this very quickly, and that is just this. God is not content just to send his son into the world one time. God actually is going to send his son into the world Two times. Did you know that? I'm going to talk in a minute about the Christmas story and the first coming of the Lord Jesus into the world. But I just want to leave you just with a little thought. God sent his son into the world the first time to be the savior that ultimately would die on a cross so that those who would look to him and receive him and believe him would have everlasting life. I'm so glad tonight that God sent his son to be the savior. But I'm going to tell you something. God's going to send his son back to this world again. I'm going to read the words of Acts chapter 17. God has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. you know who that is? It's exactly the same man who came to be the Savior. And someday he's coming back to be the judge. So I hope God will just help us solemnly and quietly in this part of the meeting. To recognize that you and I are part of a condemned world. And we're not talking about the problems of pollution and the problems of global warming and all these sorts of things in the physical world around us. We're talking about men and women like ourselves who have disobeyed God, who have lived at a distance from Him, 
who have gone our own way. And the Bible says that places us in a position that we are condemned before him. I hope tonight that you will think seriously about your sin. You know, sin is the great, is a joke today, really. The devil's very successful. He modifies the language even to make sin seem trivial, to make sin just feel like entertainment, to make sin sound fun. The importance of the Word of God, of anchoring our thoughts, not in the popular culture, but in the living realities of this book. God has a problem with your sin, even if you don't. And the reality is you do have a problem with your sin, because you and I have both committed it. And those sins are accumulating against our soul in the record book of heaven. And God will bring every sin into judgment. There is a day when the books are going to be opened and every person is going to be judged out of those books for the things that they have done. This is a world that is condemned. I want to tell you, secondly, about the wonderful news that this text contains. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, and I, I just sort of repeat the first part of the sentence. It's implied in the verse. But God did send, I think that's a nice way to say it, God did send his Son into the world that the world through him might be saved. You know, I love Christmas. I do have to confess that I like the lights, and I like turkey dinners, okay? And you look at me, you can tell I've had one or two of them in my lifetime. I like Christmas carols. I love being with my family. And I don't mind a gift or two if it's not too extravagant. But can I tell you, and I'm saying this in a light way, but I'm absolutely serious in what I'm going to say next. You know the real reason that I love Christmas is just simply this, that in the Western world, it is the one day in the year when the world doesn't take his name in vain. They actually think, whether they understand it or not, that a Savior has come. I personally, I treasure that. The devil, you know, over in the States, they're saying now that uh, Halloween is going to pass Christmas. In terms of money that's spent and things, I don't have any doubt about that. I don't think the devil wants people thinking about a Savior who has come into the world. But somehow in God's providence and in his grace, every December 25th, at least some people, they think about the fact that a Savior has come. You know, of all the things that I know in the Bible, this is one that makes goosebumps stand up on the back of my hand, that God would send his Son into this world. Tonight at the table, we were talking, or before dinner, we were talking about telescopes. We were talking about looking at the planets and other things. And I was thinking about you know, looking around the solar system. You know, there's a lot of inhospitable places. Some of the planets even in our own solar system, the surface is boiling gas at 800 degrees. Nobody in their right mind wants to go there, right? I mean, just utterly, utterly foreign to a place that you and I, I mean, you might want to go to the Grand Canyon, you, you might even want to go to the moon, but nobody wants to stand on the surface of Saturn. Nobody. Do you ever wonder what God thought? When he looked out into the universe, and he looked at this world, well, you say, well, I kind of like this world. I, this is where I'm from. This is my home. This is, uh, you know, I, 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 I like the features of this place. It's, it, it suits me perfectly. 
Did you ever think about God's view of where he was going to send his son? That staggers me. It was a world in outright rebellion against him. It was a place that reflected none of the glory that he had initially built into it. It was a world that had been corrupted and defiled by sin. It was a world that lived in moral and spiritual darkness. And to me, this is just a good definition of the grace of God that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. I don't mean to be funny, but every single person in this room ought to get down on their bony knees tonight. I don't care whether you're a Christian or not. And thank God that this is a world that has been visited by the Lord Jesus. A number of years ago, I used to work in the Renaissance Center in Detroit. I don't know if you know it, but if you stand in Windsor, look across the river, there's a big series of towers, big round towers. I remember one night, I was just on my way home. I was late, packed up my things in my briefcase and closed up my office and was headed for my car. The problem with buildings that are round is, is that there are no straight hallways. <laughs> Everything's a curve. I was kind of going to my car and thinking about supper and seeing my wife. Suddenly, I saw a wall of people coming toward me. In fact, they weren't just people. They were men, and they were big men. Uh, they had a certain look about them. It was sort of like they weren't going to go over you. They were going to go through you, if you understand the point. I just sort of made myself one with the paint. Now, I don't know if I went down a wrong hallway where I wasn't supposed to be, or whether there was some lapse in their planning. I think maybe the curved hallways threw them off, too. I was just about this far away. I was looking at the king and the queen of Sweden. Face to face with the King, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know whether I was supposed to curtsy or what I was supposed to do, you know. <laughs> but here I am. <laughs> it's the king and the queen and me. <laughs> awesome. You know, I, 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 I couldn't wait to get on my cell phone. Honey, you're never going to believe it. The king and queen are here. We, we've been visited. <laughs> you know, it's great stuff. We don't have kings and queens over there. We threw them in the harbor along with the tea, you know. <laughs> but the king and queen... <laughs> They're here. I know that's humorous, but I wish tonight that we could get some of the wonder of what it was for God to send his son into this world. I wish that within our souls tonight there would be a great swelling thankfulness to God that he ever cared enough for us to send his son into a world that was condemned. This is a world that needed a savior. I love the words of the angel speaking to Mary unto you is born this day in the city of David. I, I can't imagine that more glorious words could ever be spoken. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know, we live in a needy world tonight. A lot of things this poor old world needs. There's places in the world where people need to be freed from slavery. There's places in the world where people need to be fed and relieved of their hunger. There are places where AIDS and other diseases are ravaging the population. There are places where there is war and terrorism and people need a modicum of safety and of rest. I want to tell you something. What this world needs more than anything else is a Savior. And God sent exactly what we needed. How wonderful. How gracious. How loving. That God would ever send His Son. Have you ever thanked God for sending His Son? Have you ever said to God, you know, this is a favorite prayer of Christians. I'll let you in on what Christians pray. Comes from the Bible. Thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. What was that? New car? New house? No, no. He gave us his son. 
And I tell you, the story of Christmas is just the beginning of the story. It's the story of the Savior who came. And while Bethlehem was the portal and the entry point into manhood and into this world, the grand climax of the story takes place on a cross at the city of Jerusalem. He gave his son to be the sacrifice. His son to be the Savior that would give himself for us at Calvary. I'm so glad the Lord Jesus ever came. And I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus ever went to the cross. No other work could ever satisfy God in the matter of a condemned world. But God has found his satisfaction in the death of his own son. I tell you tonight, I just love that story, and I love that Savior. I know men don't talk about loving people very much. Well, I'm going to tell you tonight, I'm all man, and I love the Lord Jesus Christ because he gave himself for me. And all the load of my sin, and all the weight of my condemnation, and all of the justice of God that comes from the throne of heaven, fully laid on another, laid on him. And I'll quote the little hymn again. I quote it so much sometimes I think I ought to lay off, but I just like it. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. And God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Wonderful thing, isn't it? That into a world that is condemned, there's a world also that has been visited. God has sent his son to be the Savior. I've just got about four minutes, and I want to finish with my last point. A world that is condemned, a world that has been visited. Let me tell you about a world that can be saved. That's what our text is really all about. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but God sent his son into the world that the world through him might be saved. Let me ask you a question tonight. Are you saved? I cannot tolerate preaching that just bounces off the back wall. Preaching needs to get right down to the level of the people who are listening to God's Word, because that's what it's all about. So let's just ask and answer in our own hearts the really crucial issue of this meeting. Are you saved? Has there ever been a moment when the condemnation has been lifted and the Savior who came and died on Calvary has become your very own? I look back with great joy to the night that God saved me. I had nothing to offer him, absolutely nothing. I was bankrupt. I was in debt, spiritually speaking. And I'm going to tell you, God brought me to a place where I discovered that I was absolutely helpless. And in that glorious moment, I tell you, I don't know how God works. I just know this. I discovered that a little sinner named Dan Schott, had a Savior. It was the Lord Jesus. And he died for me. I don't have anything else. <laughs> That's all I've got. But guess what? That's all I need. It's a wonderful thing to be saved tonight. You know, a few years ago, there were some men who checked into a little motel. They were going to do a drug deal. One man brought the drugs, and the other man brought some money. And they sat down on the edge of the bed, and they needed to weigh out the drugs or something, and they needed to count out the money. They needed something to do it with, and they looked around... And there was this little uh, thing on the wall in a frame. They didn't know what it was. They just knew it was flat and had glass on it. So they took it off the wall and they stuck it on their lap. And the one fellow got out the drugs and the other fellow got out the money. And just then the door came crashing down and the police came in 
and arrested both of them, grabbed the money, and grabbed the drugs, and away they went off to jail. And uh, a few months later, the trial came, and uh, men were convicted, and uh, the drugs were probably burned up. I don't know, maybe the money was converted to donuts. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm in trouble, but I'll I'll deal with that later. But, uh, you know, um, there was one thing left from the trial. What do you think it was? Well, there's a little text that said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And one day, when one of the arresting officers was going out of the station, the man who held the evidence, the evidence officer, he said to him, he said, hey, he said, you did that drug bust. He said, would you, would you, would you th- this is left over. He says, would you like to have it? And a man looked at it and he said, no, no. He said, I don't, I don't think I would. And he turned to go away when suddenly he stopped. And he said, you know, my wife likes roses. He tucked it under his arm. He took it home to his wife. His wife liked the look of it. She hung it in the dining room. And every day as she went by with a load of laundry, she went by with the vacuum cleaner, there it was. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You all know the end of the story before I get there, don't you? One day she just looked at the text, but she looked beyond the text. She looked to the Savior that that little text tells about, and that lady standing in her dining room was saved. Saved through the man who did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You don't have to be part of a drug bust tonight. You can just be a person who honestly acknowledges your guilt before God and receives the Savior. He wants to receive you tonight. His arms are open. He says, come unto me and I will give you rest. May God grant that this little text might mean as much to you as it means to me. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, God grant that you might be one of the people who do this, that the world, through him, might be saved. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ was sent into the world, not to condemn the world. It was condemned already, but he came to save, my friend, and what an awful condition we would have all been in if that were not the case. Condemned already, that's where everyone stands before God. No one is born saved. No one is born a Christian. We're all lost and spiritually dead to God. Have you accepted God's great gift and thanked him today for sending you a Savior? to save you from a condemned world? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls, Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. 
There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest to you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. <laughs>